0: Welcome to our podcast today about the topic Pillar Two or the global minimum taxation. My name is Ines ponks I'm a tax partner with Becatili Germany, domiciled in the Munich office. With me by my side today is Chris Denning. Uh,
1: thanks, Ines. Hi, guys. Uh, my name is uh, Chris Denning, and I'm an international tax partner at MHA McIntyre Hudson, which is the UK member firm of Bakertin International.
0: Thanks, Chris. Well, this podcast is the first one of a serial with the intention um, to inform you step-by-step about the content of the Pillar 2 rules, the global minimum taxation. Now we want to cover the timeline, the content, and especially the practical issues around Pillar 2. Therefore, we are more than happy to receive any questions from your side um, to be covered in one of our next podcasts. Um, However, today um, we want to concentrate um, on the basic toolbox um, of Pillar 2, mainly the timeline and um, the main content um, of Pillar 2, starting with a timeline that is quite tight. Uh, the OECD published um, in December 2021 uh, the model rules about pillage you. As these rules are quite complicated, the OECD published as well um, additional commentary to assist in understanding how the rules shall apply from a practical point of view um, together with a kind of fact sheet uh, where the key um, tax provisions of the Pillar Two rules are explained. Um, additionally, and shortly afterwards, the um, EU Commission published their draft directive, that will be the basis for the implementation in the European countries. Uh, the year 2022 will therefore therefore be a very crucial um, year with respect to timing because. Um, The implementation has to take place um, on a global level in the respective jurisdictions and um, the multinationals, the tax advisors have to get familiar with these new rules um, and also the practical issues, um, the implementation um, of the necessary processes, um, the training of the staff. Um, and all these organizational issues have to be covered in 2022 um, to be able to comply with the administrative burden um, of these new rules. Um, What are the main um, elements um, of Pillar 2? As already announced in, in, in several publications of the OECD, Um, The pillar two rules will be applicable for multinationals with a consolidated revenue of um, 750 uh, million euros and more, Uh, you know this threshold already um, from the country by country reporting. Uh, The aim of the pillar two rules is to achieve um, a minimum taxation of um, at least 15% um, per constituent entity. Um, this aim shall be achieved mainly by four elements, the so-called income inclusion rule, the undertaxed payments rule, the switch over clause, and the subject to tax um, clause. The primary measure is the so-called income inclusion rule that is aiming at the parent company and the parent company's um, tax income. Um, And um, in principle, uh, the aim is to assess a top-up tax um, if the minimum tax rate of 15% is not achieved. The second second element or more kind of backstop measure um, is the under-tax payment rule. The under-tax payment rule, in contrary, is not looking at the parent company, but is looking at the different group companies that are domiciled in low-tax jurisdictions and at the payments um, that are made um, to those entities, um, that could lead to a partial or complete deny of a deduction of those expenses to achieve by this way um, a minimum taxation of 15%. The third element um, is the switch over clause. The switch over clause includes in principle The abolishment of the exemption method um, for permanent establishments that are domiciled in low tax jurisdictions and last but not least we have the subject to tax rule that would in principle allow certain countries and jurisdictions to assess higher withholding taxes um, in case or with respect to payments made to group companies are domiciled in low tax jurisdictions these four elements form the basic toolbox um, of the pillar two rules Um, as always in 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 tax law there are of course um, a huge number of simplifications exceptions carve outs that we will cover in a separate um podcast Um, however To to give you a short example, the international shipping industry, for instance, is excluded from the application of the pillar two rules, mainly due to the fact that in most jurisdictions, um, a lot of special local tonnage tax regimes exist that cover already this industry. And therefore, it was decided uh, that the international shipping industry is not in the scope of pillar two however um the next steps are then the concrete calculation and my colleague chris had a closer look at these um measures over to you chris uh,
1: thanks Ines, and, and, and thanks for that introduction um so I, I think it's fair to say i think as Innis has alluded to i think the rules that the model rules are, are, are complicated um, and those rules then need to be Um, Laid over existing domestic legislation, um, which, you know, many jurisdictions in itself is also complicated. So so, so I think we're heading for some interesting times in terms of um, working our way through the implications of of what's being being proposed here. Um, Like everything in tax, there's lots of acronyms, um, and and there's no no exception as far as these rules are concerned. Um, So so in in broad terms, the OECD have have described these rules as, as globe rules. Um, and GLOBE itself is an, ac- is a- is an acronym um, for global anti-base erosion. Um, but, but we talk talking in context of, 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 uh, of GLOBE income being the income that's going to be adjusted here um, under these particular rules. So, so what, what does the, um, what the model actually um, to talk about? Well, it actually goes through um, uh, and details a number of steps which multinationals will need to go through to determine whether or not um, they need to make an adjustment. Um, under the rules Um, uh, and these steps, and this is already referred to it, that these steps are summarised quite nicely in a a six-page document um, describing the key operating provisions, which I'd recommend everyone has a look at um, as a first port of call to gain a a broad understanding of what we're talking about. But essentially there are are five steps that that entities need to go through. Um, Step step one is to determine um, the constituent entities within the scope of the rules, within a multinational group, Now that 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 sort of implies that that you sort of choose and determine which entities fall within scope, but um, in in reality, the constituent entity is every entity within a multinational group in every jurisdiction. Um, I mean, in in this, is referred to exceptions and carve and carve outs, um, which we'll come on to in later podcasts. But but at the moment, these rules will apply to every entity in every jurisdiction including jurisdictions where the statutory rate on the face of it is higher than 15%, you would still need to run through the calculations. So so that's step one. Step two is then to identify the globe income, which is the income that will be subject to adjustment in each constituent entity. Um, And and again, there's some detailed um, uh, uh, guidance as to um, to how you determine uh, globe income. Um, the start point is to look at look at the financial accounts, um, profit, um, and then there's a number of number of uh, uh, sort of predetermined adjustments that you make to get to a net profit or loss figure in each jurisdiction. Um, and again, in in a later podcasts, we'll go through we'll go through each of these steps in more detail to give you a, a much clearer steer as to what it looks like in practice. So step three is then once you've determined your global income. Step three is then to understand what the covered taxes are in that particular jurisdiction, which is essentially understanding what what, what taxes have been paid um, in the jurisdiction in relation to in relation to the profits um, and now now again there's a number of um, adjustments in relation to. Um, what constitutes covered taxes and includes um, adjustments for deferred tax, etc, but, but again there's detailed notes and guidance as, as to how you determine covered taxes for the purposes of this. So step four, once you've determined your globe income and your covered taxes, is to, is to work out your effective tax rate um, and your top-up tax. So the effective tax rate is essentially taking your, your covered taxes um, over your globe income, which will give you um, a percentage, which you then compare to the minimum tax rate of 15%. Um, and if you're below that, then the difference, so say, for example, your effective tax rate ends up at 10%, you end up with a 5% top-up tax rate. And then step five is is to apply that top up tax um, to, to, to the obviously to the globe profits, and then to make um, um, an IRR an IIR adjustment, which is an income inclusion adjustment um, in, in principle um, in, in the in the jurisdiction which has operated the rules. Um, so that sort of takes you through the very broad steps. Um, so I guess in, in practical terms, how will these rules be implemented? So uh, from a UK perspective, I mean, the UK, I think, has been probably at the forefront of, of introducing um, uh, BEPS measures um, um, quite, quite quickly after the, after the OECD recommendations. So the UK is already consulting um, on uh, the implementation of, of, of the model rules into the UK legislation. Um, but that in itself, I think, presents, you know, or, or raises a number of questions. I mean, the UK have have been specific about who it will apply to. So the OECD uh, did say that you know jurisdictions, if they want to, they can impose these rules for groups with a turnover of less than 750 million euros. The UK has said um, that we won't do that, so it will only apply to groups with more than um, 750 million consolidated um, revenues. Um, it's proposed that the UK um, implements the rules with effect from 1st of April next year. Um, so it doesn't give us a huge amount of time um, to actually go through the consultation um, and introduce legislation and for everyone to get their heads around what that actually means in practice. Um, I, I think from a from a UK perspective, the UK, I think, sees the IR, the Income inclusion rule as being the principal measure, um, and that will apply to UK multinational or UK headquartered multinational groups. Um, the, the UTPR rules will only apply um, to UK entities um, where the headquartered group is outside the UK, but essentially those rules only apply where the, um, the, the headquarter company doesn't um, or isn't subject to the IIR in, in its particular territory. But as I say, I think when you think about the number of other measures, for example, the UK legislation has in terms of countering um, tax avoidance and, and tax evasion um, on a cross-border basis, like you know, we have our CRC rules, we have the corporate interest restriction, we have transfer pricing per se, we have the hybrid mismatch rules, you know, we have the offshore receipt of intangible um, property rules. You know, all these rules are already there to, to, to counter base erosion to all intents and purposes. So, you know, this is going to be a, an additional bunch of measures over over on top of that that we, that we need to think about. I guess in practical terms. So certainly the multinationals we've spoken to um, thus far. I mean certainly the largest multinationals with in-house tax resource will be modelling the impact of these rules. Um, but most of the or few of the few of the, the companies we've we've spoken to have sort of implied inferred that they don't think these rules will impact the group's overall effective tax rate. Um, but obviously it will impose a significant uh, administration burden. Uh, additional administration burden um, on them in terms of actually complying with these rules and, and running the calculations for each jurisdiction subject to, subject to the carve So, So I think we're in for um, for an interesting time over the next uh, couple of years in terms of uh, getting our heads around these rules as they're implemented in each jurisdiction and then actually applying them in practice.
0: Exactly. Um, this will de- definitely be um, a challenge in the future. Um, Looking at at Germany, um, I think important was the point that you mentioned that um, it might be difficult um, to align the globe rules with certain national rules that are already in place. Um, This is definitely a challenge for Germany as well. Um, And also the administrative burden that you mentioned will be something um, that multinationals have to look at. Um, to, to put it in a nutshell, um, the, the main point is that every each constituent part um, and entity of the group has to do this calculation and, um, secondly, um, it is not sufficient to look at the country's tax rate only um, it is important to do this calculation to see whether the effective tax rate is below or over the amount of 15%. And um, beside all other facts, um, this is definitely an additional administrative burden for all um, uh, multinationals that are affected by these rules. Therefore, um, it will definitely be interesting to see how things are developing. And as we mentioned at the beginning, More is soon to come. Thank you very much for listening. Take care and stay safe.
1: Thanks all.